When I think of the environment, it's a huge part of my childhood. The amount of time that I spent camping, fishing, hunting, snowboarding, hiking, being able to do that was something really special. As I've traveled the United States and I've lived in different cities to see these concrete jungles, is it gives me anxiety almost because I, I think about this one world that we have. There's only one. And as much as we spend all the time trying to find other habitable planets and stuff, like, this is the one that we got. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. A top goal of this podcast is cultural change, in particular away from this, what I consider one of the most representative phrases of our time, which is, I want to change, but if I do and nobody else does, then what's the point? Which to me is helpless and hopeless, the opposite of leadership. I would not have expected a professional football player, you know, these guys have this reputation as being bad boys. I would not have expected one of them to be particularly environmentally aware. I was wrong, and I present to you Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagle, Brian Brayman. He could not have been more humble. We actually met in 50 Cent's Midtown studio. He had no reason to be humble, and yet he was. We start by talking about sports and leadership. He is obviously a champion himself, surrounded by other champions, took on champions and beat them in a phenomenal game. One of the big things we talked about is how to motivate yourself when a goal is far, when it's out of sight, and many consider it impossible. Does that sound familiar in the area of the environment? And yet he stayed motivated. I think we have a lot to learn from him. But most of all, you'll hear his environmental awareness and action. He composts. Would you expect a football player to compost? Mea culpa, I was very pleasantly surprised. And beyond what he already does, when I ask him to take on a personal challenge to live by his environmental values, he doesn't just kind of do it. He really gets into it. And you'll hear, like I say, okay, this would be enough. He goes, no, I want to do more. So if anyone out there is thinking, I don't have to do stuff because all these other influential people, they're not doing it either. This guy is, and I bet he's not alone. Anyway, let's hear his story. As a Philadelphia native where I lived for about 18 years, Dr. J and Moses Malone took home the trophy for basketball. The Phillies won several times. When I was a really little kid, the Flyers won several times, but the Vince Lombardi trophy eluded us. So thank you very much to the whole team, to Brian Brayman in particular, for bringing home the Vince Lombardi trophy. Let's listen to Brian. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Josh. I'm here with Brian Bremen. Did I say it right? Yeah, uh, Bremen. Bremen. Long A, yeah. And uh, a Philadelphia Eagle, world champion, possessor of the Vince Lombardi Trophy, professor, I guess, of a ring. Ring, yeah. And you've gotten to hold and kiss the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Pretty special thing. And I'm going to start off by saying I'm uh, born in Philadelphia. I was raised in Philadelphia. The first 18 years of my life were in Philadelphia. And we did not, we, we've made it to the Super Bowl we won some, uh, uh, the Phillies won, but not the Eagles. And that's much, I'm, I like watching football more. 
Thank you very much for bringing the trophy home. Yeah, it was awesome. I think the city deserved it just as much as the organization. And it was an amazing game. I have to say, I've watched less football lately, not because I don't like the game, but the coverage is like, I feel like they don't cover enough of the sport. There's a lot of like stats and there's a lot of replays. And I feel like I don't get to play, I don't get to watch the game. And this game was incredible. It was, I mean, one of the best games I've seen, whether it was a Super Bowl or not. Can you say a few things about what, first, are you tired of talking about it? If you're tired of talking about it, we can talk about other things. I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Obviously, you spend so much time investing uh, your, your mind and body into something for you to, to, to reach the pinnacle of, of what you want to do. And to be there, it's kind of like a dream come true. So I feel like the more I talk about it, the more it becomes real to me. Because when it first happened, it really wasn't very real to me. It wasn't something that I had, I feel like I was still dreaming. You know, I was going to wake up one day from the dream. But uh, being able to achieve it, it's been, it's been fun to, to talk about it and, and really make it real. So if it's not real for you, I mean, a lot of us go into high pressure situations and we get nervous. Uh, I don't think high pressure on the scale of you were there. But, okay, if you weren't, if it didn't feel real at the moment, how did you perform? I felt like I performed out of this world. And I think that was just the environment, um, the level of play that you were able to, to kind of take it to build the build up, knowing what it means to you and and how you want to be able to explain it after not being able to, you know, say that I, I gave it all my all or I left it all out on the on the field because I was truly exhausted after the game. And I felt it on every level, mentally, physically, you know, emotionally, just completely drained. And I think it was because uh, the effort and everything, I wanted to make sure that I, I put everything into it, you know, during those 60 minutes. All right. You said put everything into it and you said 60 minutes. I thought you were going to say the year leading up to like, when did you start preparing for the Super Bowl? So, you, I mean, as a team, an organization, uh, you really have like the two weeks before the Super Bowl, get a couple of days off to have some rest and then really slowly work your way into it to make sure that you're physically capable of performing. But, you know, I feel like so many players in the NFL have played in the Super Bowl mentally before they ever did physically and and you know i feel like as a player in the nfl you spend a lot of time dreaming some kind of perception of what that would be like so you know you can play in a game a thousand times before you actually play in it Mm -hmm. and you know that mental preparation and you know trying to understand what it would be like is definitely uh something that i use in in my regimen to to prepare myself for a big game like that and just making sure that you know because I mean you play in so many games you're you're a professional athlete and that game other than you know media obligations and you know the pregame and the halftime show this like like the production of the game it's still a football game it's something that you've done over and over again since I've been in the NFL I've been in you know over a hundred some odd games you know so the only thing to me that made it different was, you know, the fact that it was the Super Bowl and how much of a production that becomes. So how much of that comes from inside and how much of that comes from a support staff and coaches and things like that? Because they're not there all the time. They're not here now. And you were talking before about you, on the offseason, your diet, your training, you, like you can't let any moment pass. How much of that is inside and how much is that outside? You know, I feel like because it's, you spend so much time on it, especially if it's something that you care about, 
it kind of it just becomes a part of you. Uh, you don't. It's hard for me to think about you know how much time I spend on it because to me it's almost become like a lifestyle to me. So it's just like you know anybody else that chooses to be maybe an artist or you know to be a, a creative writer or you know what you do with your podcast. You know it's some, it, it's something that you have to choose to do and it almost becomes a part of your lifestyle. Um, you don't really think twice about it. You know, it's just an idea that you want to kind of put put down and make a reality. So just as being an athlete, the inside part of you is just like that's that's what you want to do, you, that you choose to live this life. And, and that's just kind of like what comes along with what you choose to do. And then the outside of it, as far as like the support system and stuff, I think is just really important. The people that, you know, say, oh, I do it to prove the haters wrong. I'm a little bit different, and I feel like I do it for the people that that believed in me, the people that saw me when I was at my lowest point and when I was down and out, but still told me that I could be something, that I could go somewhere and do something. To me, it feels much better to have that, the, the support of people telling me I can do it, helping me kind of predict my own destiny and and you know, really develop these thoughts, positive thoughts, positive self-talk, you know, making sure that I'm feeding a, a, a positive energy inside of me from the outside, the vibes that I get from, you know, the, the positive energy and the people that I have on the outside to really just, you know, allow that passion to grow inside. So I'm picking up three big things in what you're saying. One of them is people can't see you, but I can see you. And like, you're not like, blah, blah, blah. You're engaged. Like your eyes look like you're like, this is really important, and uh, I take it that this is this is something you really care about. Another thing is that you're you're talking about this is a theme that I see in the leaders that I talk to, which is like CEOs and best-selling authors and all these like pundits and people. The really successful leaders, it's almost always they're putting the other person's interest first. It's for someone else, like it's in service of others. And I wasn't expecting that, but then it popped out, and you're like, yeah, these people who cared about you that I think you want to make them make them proud. You want to return what they gave to you. And that's really, it's this theme that I see in successful leaders, people who, who succeed. The other is that you're talking, you're like, yeah, it's just a way of life, like an artist, except you're getting pummeled. <laughs> like you're getting destroyed. And, uh, and people really want to, I guess, not hurt you, but they really want to like, knock you down. They want to take you out of the game. And you're saying that, something that's incredibly difficult for most people and beyond most people's experience is like, once you habitualize it, it's, yeah, you just do it. I guess the old analogy that I got was like, you have two wolves and one is fear and the other one is, you know, that, that drive to succeed. Which one are you going to feed? Because if, if you feed your fear of failure, you know, obviously that wolf continues to grow and become stronger and then ultimately overcomes your, your desire to succeed. It, it becomes a problem. Whereas if you feed your desire to succeed, that wolf grows, becomes stronger, and is ultimately able to overcome your fears. So, you know, spending more time thinking about being successful is important to me. And I do find myself, just like anybody else, going into something, there's always some kind of, like, conflict. Okay, is this right for me? You know, obviously, are we going to win? What Did we do enough to prepare you know, when problems arise, are we going to be able to actually overcome them, um, respond to them accordingly, and uh, just really being able to stop those, like being able to put an end to those and focusing on what I want my reality to be. 
you know, kind of manifesting that energy to put it out into, you know, what I want to see as a reality. I'm listening to what you're saying about, and I'm listening to it from the context of a lot of people's perspective on doing something with the environment because the sea levels are rising. The science as I see it is that the sea levels are rising and the coral reefs are dying and the, you know, there's like extinctions and so forth. And I'm listening to what you're saying of what you're going to feed. Are you going to feed the, what were the two wolves? Uh, you got fear and the desire to succeed. Fear and desire to succeed. And what you're going to feed, are you going to feed, oh, it's all going to fall apart. Might as well give up. Might as well just go for, like, enjoy what I have in the moment and not care about the future. Or is it plan for the future and maybe do something about it? Because I think most people don't, they're feeding the fear, Human, the hopeless. Humans are very, like, right now. Like, what, what can be done right now? They don't really... You know, instant gratification has become just a cancer of of this country. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know what? Like everybody wants a get skinny pill. Everybody wants a you know lose a hundred pounds in a week pill. Everybody wants a get rich tomorrow scam or scheme or some you know whale of an investment. Like what can I invest all my life savings into and have it turn into a lottery ticket? Like tomorrow. Passive income, yeah. so I can make money while I sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like nobody thinks of if I take a progressive approach to it. If I if I set a plan and I check off each little box, that I will ultimately reach my goal. You know, being able to to turn an idea into a reality, and you know, a lot of people they they don't realize that that there's a lot of of clout to that, that there's a lot of weight to that. They, they feel, oh, I failed one time or uh, I wasn't able to check off this box and now I have to go do something completely different. Or if they don't see somebody else, what, what they're interested in, if they don't see somebody else doing it, then they're like, oh, well, if they're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, you know? And that's unfortunate. And I think that, I think a lot of people see, I mean, professional athletes, there's a, the ones that get the media are like the bad boy, the ones with the bad boy kind of attitude. Not all of them. I mean, yeah. And we see them on, we see them like once a week on, on TV, maybe. And I can see why people would say, it looks like you guys live for the moment. But you were saying that like every, from like from the moment the Super Bowl ends, you're like preparing for the next one. And I, I guess some of what you said, I could have thought preparing, checking boxes, all that stuff sounds like becoming an accountant or a dentist, like a stable sort of thing. But it's actually what you do, too. You're preparing all the time. Yeah. And and it's definitely not like, you know, to say that I don't live in the moment is not the case. I, I mean, I love being able to experience everything. And I really try to make sure that I am where my feet are. Like, I don't want to spend too much time in the future, too much time thinking about the past. Because, you know, we are in the present. And to have that is a gift in itself. You know, I don't want to take any of that for granted. But uh, it is important to me to make sure that I do have a plan because just life in general is so unexpected and anything can be thrown at you at once, you know, that, you know, if you don't have a plan, if you don't kind of have a toolbox on how you're going to overcome certain things or uh, an idea of, of what you're supposed to be doing and what your purpose is and, and how you're supposed to be, you know, going through life as it comes to you. Um, I feel like you can definitely get lost. And I feel like in my family, I've seen that happen to, to multiple people. People living too much in the moment and not getting purpose, not... Too much living elsewhere, not being where, where their feet are. When you actually achieve something, you sit down and you look at it, it's actually really the process that you have the most memories about. The, the, the 
ups the and training, downs. Yeah, the I mean, lifting, the what you, you know. do with your friends, you know, you're dying at the squat rack and you look over and you got four or five of your buddies over there dying at the squat rack too. So it's oh. like, you're not the only person that's going through this, you know, and you're going to fight for them just like they're fighting for you. You know, they look over at me and they see me dying, but you know, they're, they're going through the same thing. So it's kind of like, you know, just being able to share that with somebody and, and experience that and, you know, being able to talk about it after we achieve that ultimate goal. Because right then, right there, we're looking at each other like, man, we want to quit. We don't, I don't want to do this. My legs are tired. I'm sweating. I just want to go home and lay down. Both of us are thinking the same thing, but our ultimate goal is, you know, in this case, the Super Bowl for us to be able to get there and, and play and win. And, you know, it's, it may have been thought about, but it's never talked about, you know. You never talk about, oh, I want to quit. Like, oh, dear, you know, this is terrible. No, it's, it's just shoved out of the way and you continue to work. And then when you're at that pinnacle, you're like, man, you remember that time that we was working out that day? <laughs> and it, I was dying, bro. The, it was 95 degrees out. Uh, we were sweating like stuck pigs. Like, it was it was bad. But, it's uh, pure pressure at uh, its greatest. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, peer pressure is a mother. That's just... That's real. It's awesome, right? I mean, it is. It ta- is. See, it's funny because I'm talking to some guy who just won the Super Bowl, but you're making me think of when I used to run sprints and I'm like standing over the trash can, like, like, am I going to react or not? This? Yeah. Why do I do this? And then when when I made it on this team later, I was just running sprints in the rain by myself, and I think about that and like running, doing practices in the snow and stuff. And when in college. You know, we're, we're a club sport. We're not a varsity sport. So we, we don't get field space when we want it. So we used to have practice in the gym from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. That's when we could get it. And that's like the nostalgia is, is like really important. Like how are you going to be taken back to it? Like what are you going to do 10 years down the line that's going to like all of a sudden send you back into a flashback of, of like what you were doing? Like you sitting there, you know, the stuff that you're going back to from me talking like that's. That's that's big time. Like being able to draw on those emotions and and remember kind of the the process and and the emotions that you had, you know, throughout the process and kind of seeing it all come together and and you know through the fruition of everything become a reality. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com/podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. One of the reasons I love what you're saying is that I'm hoping that people listen to this. If they're, if they're listening to a Leadership in the Environment podcast, they care something about the environment and they want to make some change. And we're seeing the world not really changing that much on the scale of the change we need. Yeah. I'm hoping that people are thinking, this is where I can create meaning and purpose in my life. This is where I build those memories. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you can win the Super Bowl, like, win the Super Bowl. Right, right. But if you're not bound for the Super Bowl, like, the environment is really, I put out there, like, considering the environment as a place where you can put any amount in because we need leadership and we need people doing stuff that everyone's not doing. Right. And so... If you're not going to win the Super Bowl or the NFL or whatever, or the NBA championship or something like that, then it is a place where you can devote yourself because people care about the environment. You'll be helping other people. All right. Do you mind if I switch to the environment now? Yeah, let's go. So when you think about the environment, 
what do you think about? Like, is it something you care about? Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, being from Spokane, Washington, um, right there on the Washington-Idaho border, Canada's just north. You know, so you spend a lot of time outdoors. Trees, mountains, lakes, rivers, everything. All Like, when I think of the environment, it, it's a huge part of my childhood. Uh, the amount of time that I spent camping, fishing, hunting, snowboarding, just hiking, being able to 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 do that was was something really special. And now that like as I've traveled the United States and I've lived in different cities and stuff like that, to see these like concrete jungles is is really kind of it gives me anxiety almost, you know, because I, I think about just this one world that we have. Like there's only one. And, you know, as much as we spend all the time trying to find other habitable planets and stuff, like this is the one that we got. And, you know, for us to just destroy it, like the huge companies and everything that are just dumping chemicals into the environment and, you know, the consumers that are just, you know, have no regard to it because they feel like, oh, well, if this person's not going to do it, then there's no reason for me to do it. It's like, it really does give me anxiety. Like the overpopulation of the world and the way that we have to produce and, and process food. It, it, I mean, it's just, it, it, <laughs> I'll say it again, it gives me anxiety if you can't tell. And I, I'm just also thinking like Bill Belichick doesn't make you anxious. What we're doing in the environment does. Like a guy who stares down, they won five? No, they won four. You stopped them from winning five. They've won five. They've won five. They were on to six. They would have been. We stopped them at six, yeah. So one of the things that I ask, here's where I ask at your option, I invite you to act on a value of yours, an environmental value. And it, it doesn't have to be like saving the planet overnight. It doesn't have to be you doing everything. But it can't be telling other people what to do because there's a lot of that going on. And it has to be something you're not already doing. But if you're up for it, would you be willing to take on something to live by that value to make the world by your by from your perspective a better place in some way yeah of course kind of like as uh as a challenge huh yeah like it, some people do stuff like they won't bring they won't use disposable stuff for some period of time or they'll decrease their eat meat eating meat for a little while or uh they'll take public transportation or i don't know different things for different people and most people it turns out like most people don't haven't thought about it before I asked them. Right. And so I have to think about it a little bit, but then it usually taps into something that they were like, Oh, I could have been doing that already. And is there anything that, that you've thought about doing that this could be an occasion to do it? Um, you know, I've, I've kind of, I mean, I've kind of stepped out and, and done quite a bit of different stuff. Um, you know, I've done highway cleanups and I try to really focus on, on making sure that, plastics and papers and stuff like that that are actually recyclable make it to the proper receptacles and you know just whatever whatever can help you know compost piles uh you know trying to keep all that stuff you know just in the right area to make so sure you, that i'm sorry to so you compost yeah 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 people act like it's such a big deal it was for i think it was a big deal but you just naturally compost i wouldn't have thought like nfl composter yeah yeah no i mean uh just because, like, you know, spending so much time in the country, you know, uh, you know, being able to use your compost pile for fertilizer and stuff to, to grow. I, I mean, I've grew up with my grandparents and parents having natural gardens and stuff like that in their yards and flowers and stuff like that. So me coming from humble beginnings, you know, recycling was a, a big thing that was in my family. I mean, all the way down to reusing coffee filters and, you know, 
my my granddad used to walk around with handkerchiefs so that way he didn't have to use disposable tissue, yeah. tissue paper probably the the weirdest thing would be like the baths and stuff like not actually using the shower but kind of like using a, a bowl of water in the sink and and a washcloth to kind of give yourself a bird bath you know reusing stuff like yeah it was interesting to see how my family you know coffee cans and stuff like that would always get repurposed in the garage and um, baby food jars would always get repurposed in the garage whatever my grandfather could use as far as like wood and extra pieces of wood laying around that he could build into a dresser or something like that for one of the grandkids and stuff so it was a big part of my my upbringing and these are all these things that people are saying it's too hard to do and you can't get americans to do these things yeah i feel like it's because it's like i was saying earlier we're all uh like i want it now society like uh-huh. if it if it doesn't happen now then it, I'm i'm not okay with it we're looked at as like special kind of people if you know how to repair things or if you're good with your hands or you know because everything is like a delayed what is that delayed gratification, gratification. Yeah. yeah that's what i said earlier what i'm reading off of you is that you like it like this is be- for you this is a better life to yeah. do these things when other people are like why would i want to wash my clothes when i can just have someone do it for me right and also there's a lot of people out there that when i talk to like professionals people with degrees that are like mbas and stuff like that they're like look i know that this is important but i got to get ahead and this is going to get this is going to get in the way of that. I want to do leadership. I want to lead, and I can't be bothered with this. I, if if I'm washing my clothes, if I'm cooking my food, I'm not getting ahead. Yeah. Well, you're ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and you did these things. I mean, my big thing, my touch point is Gandhi is like one of my big heroes. Gandhi cleaned the toilet too. Yeah. And it didn't stop him from liberating India uh, to speak yeah. uh, glibly. So now I'm kind of part. I'm kind of on the fence of like whether I want to push a little bit to see if, if I can get you to take another step. If you like those things, maybe like another thing, uh, one more thing, but maybe not pushing too hard because there've been a couple people who are already doing, they're kind of maxed out and they like the next step up is like a really big deal, like not flying or something like that. Like most people can't just casually choose to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't casually choose to do that. <laughs> it's beyond most people. Is there, I don't know, I'll just ask once again, is there, can you think of something that would fit? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess some of the things that I've thought about is like fossil fuels, you know, since you're on the whole airline thing, two of the the vehicles that I own probably aren't the most economical when it comes to to the usage of fuel. So Mm -hmm. that'd probably be something that I could, I could definitely get into to do better. So one guy, yeah, one guy did that. He's, he had two cars. He's got the Jag that was, he aspired to his whole life. And he was like, all right, for one month. He said, I'm going to put on no more than 100 kilometers. He's Canadian, so 100 yeah. kilometers. And, uh, and that's what he did. I don't know how much he drove the other one in the meantime. But um, do you want to do something like that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. Okay. I mean, I guess, I mean, even if we could, because um, I usually rent cars. Like, wherever I go, I usually rent a car. I mean, possibly kind of playing off of that. You know, me going somewhere, if I'm in L.A., not renting a car, so that way there isn't an extra car on the on the streets, mm-hmm. or I'm, you know, being able to carpool while I'm out there in LA to kind of save that whole, that whole deal. That whole wreck. That, that, <laughs> so that way, so that way it doesn't, you know, just that way it doesn't just hinge on the fact of me being in, in Austin. All right, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, this is. I'm really, I'm really glad to hear how this is. Like, yeah, this is you're you. This will be you're genuine. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean. Like you said, yeah, and you, since you got me to think about it, it's definitely something that I could, I could be better at. 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm not trying to be better in any, every type of way, you know? And it, I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not going to distract you from all the stuff that you're doing. No, no, no. I, I mean, none of the other stuff does. Uh, you know, you had mentioned earlier, the CEO is like, well, I, I need to get ahead, mm-hmm. you know? And to me, that just sounded like it wasn't a part of his lifestyle. Yeah. Like I was mentioning earlier, you know, you, you if you're able to implement something in your life enough, it becomes a part of your lifestyle, habitual, and you don't see it as a waste of time. It's not something that's taking up any more of your extra time. It is something that you hold important to invest time in. So it's hard for me to say that I don't already look at it as like something that I already do in my everyday life. You know? Yeah, one of the things I'm really hoping to come out of this podcast is that people somewhere down the road not polluting is going to be, I hope it ends up for them, like putting in your seatbelt. Like, yeah. I don't think about it. It's been something that's kind of been ingrained in my life, you know, coming up from being a kid, you know, reusing and obviously uh, using everything that you have, not being wasteful. Very refreshing to hear. Yeah. Uh, anything anything uh, that I didn't think to ask to to bring up? No, I mean, I really appreciate you having me on the show and everything. This was uh, a great topic to talk about. I'm um, looking forward to the challenge. I appreciate you being on. I look forward to hearing how the challenge goes. Talk to you again soon. Yeah, sounds great. I love how far beyond the minimum that he went, the enthusiasm that he went and felt for the environment. I think a lot of people out there would not have expected a football player to have that kind of attitude and that kind of perspective and that kind of action to take that commitment for something that, I think most people think they wouldn't really think about that. So I hope you listening at home, if you're thinking other people aren't doing these things, this guy is, and he doesn't have to at all. I think he really likes it. And I really look forward to the next one to find out because I think we're going to find out that he really enjoys this process, that he could not care about the environment, but he's choosing to live by his values. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.